your growth into Christ-likeness, your ability to overcome sin, your ability to, to progress and move forward in the Christian faith, it rests solely in 100% upon the life of Jesus that He lives today. You are listening to the Braveheart Podcast. For more information about Braveheart Ministries, visit braveheartministries.org. Here's the thing we've been talking a lot about um, is how do, we, how do we get our faith, the focal point of our faith, upon the works of Jesus and not upon, I'll just put verses, our own works. This is the, this is the shift for many of us. This is the, this is the shift from, from walking in our flesh to walking in the Spirit. So, Peter, how do I walk in the Spirit? You, you put your faith in the works of Jesus. You're the focal point of your faith, the faith. How many of you know in the Bible, in the New Testament, it mentions the faith? Yeah. Everywhere. The faith. Okay? So let's talk about the faith. We talked about it on Thursday a little bit. And, I, and I've actually been polling people. This is a little funny. I've been polling believers, and I said, hey, what is the faith? Explain it to me in a minute. Like, just one minute, like, explain what is the faith. If we're supposed to all be standing side by side for the, the faith of the gospel, striving with one mind, with one heart for the faith of the gospel, then we should all collectively have some simple idea of what is the faith. Right? But when I ask you that, if I were to say, hey, um, you know, any of you, Nathan, what's the faith? See, you say, huh? Why? Because we're, it's like, I know, I know that I had faith in the Messiah, but the faith encompasses a perspective that's bigger than just this one moment in time, right? The faith is a gospel perspective that's centered upon the triune works of Jesus. That's the faith. The faith is that your, your, your focal point is on is on all three of these things, that you've built your life upon the works of Jesus. Now, you guys know that, like, like, there's a lot of promises in the New Testament that talk about freedom and dominion over sin and overcoming and walking like Jesus. First John even goes so far to say anyone who uh, says he believes in him must walk as he walked. And so yet we see a big gap or a chasm between the present condition of the body of Christ and the life of Christ. Do we not? A massive chasm. And what we've done in the body is we've, we've justified theologically the reason why we don't walk like Jesus. We have. We, we've created theology and doctrine to justify our, 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 our lack of faith, to be honest. Yes, sir. Calling it sanctification. Yeah, we we call sanctification the flesh striving to do good. Yeah, like something that cannot happen. Just just keep working. Yeah, sanctification is is a grace of God that saves you. So sanctification can't be this grind where by and by when I die. I'll be saved. 
or man, I'm, I'm doing better. Like if, if that works, then, then in some period of time, you'll actually be more like Jesus. You'll actually be more Christ-like. Not just like, like barely getting by, but you'll actually manifest the beauty and magnificence of his life, his power, his dominion, his authority. Like your shadow will be healing folks, not because you're super spiritual, but because you've received a grace that's made you like him. When you got born again, let's, let's, just, let's just break it down real quick. How were you before you got born again? You were in the dark, right? You were under the power of Satan, according to the Bible. (laughs) And you were in the dark. And you were in bondage to sin. Now, do we believe, and I'm guessing those people, your co-workers believe, that the moment they put their faith in the Messiah, this grace was applied to them? (laughs) And they... They came under the power of God. They came from darkness to light. And they're, they're free from the penalty of sin. Right? That's what they would say. They're free. They're not going to go to hell. They're going to go to heaven. So they would acknowledge that, that the grace of God in that moment, based on faith, with no work of their own, accomplished this for them. Think about that. Think about the jump. Think about the leap that that grace accomplishes for people. They go from darkness to light, from going like, like under the wrath of God to in the family with God, like just because you believed in God. That's what, that's what 90, 99% of the church believes. They believe that. And that's, that is so true, and it's so good, because we've rightly preached this word, and there's rightly faith been put in this work as Messiah. But when you come over here to Jesus' work of the Holy Spirit, that his life that he now lives, we live because he lives, right? And there's a grace associated. When I say Holy Spirit, it's not just the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, One of the works of Jesus is, this is important, is the life of Jesus that he lives right now. This this could be, I, I, in my mind, I, I probably haven't done a good job of putting this on the heading. I, these are the same to me. The, the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit connects me to the life of Jesus. Jesus is no longer on a cross. He's no longer in a grave. And he's no longer uh, on the earth. He is, he is a resurrected, ascended king who is alive. And your Christian life, listen to me, this is so important. Your sanctification rests solely upon his life that he lives today. No, y'all didn't, y'all didn't, y'all didn't, y'all neither heard that nor got that. Your, your growth into Christ-likeness, your ability to overcome sin, your ability to, to progress and move forward in the Christian faith, it rests solely in 100% upon the life of Jesus that he lives today. Just like your born-again experience and you going from darkness to light, let me ask you, how much, how much of you going from darkness to light rested upon your work and what you did? Zero? No percent. So how come our sanctification now, no percent relies on being born again, but 10% relies on me being sanctified? 50% relies on me being sanctified. Why? Because we like to do things. We like to accomplish something. We'll, we'll acknowledge that, yeah, God got me born again, but I got me sanctified. Wow. And guess what? It's not working. Yeah. 
you're not being sanctified. <laughs> if you're relying upon your works and your spiritual discipline, if you're relying upon your spiritual discipline, if you're relying, hear me, if you're relying upon your spiritual discipline for sanctification, it won't work. You won't be any more like Jesus because the only thing that can make you like Jesus is what? Yeah, Jesus, but what? What, what is it that comes to you, that's supplied to you, that makes you like him? Hey, thank you, Alzavian. Grace. Grace, grace is the only thing. You're saved by grace, right? So we say it's Jesus, but guys, we've got to be like, listen, we've got to grow up in God. We've got to be able to articulate what? Like, yes, the source comes from, from Jesus, but, but remember how we talked about the blood of the, of the lamb on the doorpost was only a grace for the death angel, but that blood wouldn't work on Pharaoh? The same happens with the gospel. The, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is, is, is provides a specific, unique grace to us. So yes, it comes from Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I'm saved by Jesus. Okay, no, no, but... You understanding how you're saved is how you will be strengthened in your faith. Knowing that God's able to save you, that's one level of faith. Knowing that that God will save you, that's another level of faith. Strong faith is knowing how God will save you. Like strong faith is actually connecting these dots because why? Because then you see his purpose and you understand how he saves you. And that's a strong faith because no one can take that from you. Right? You with me? So... So your sanctification, let's, let's stay here for a minute. Your sanctification, the sanctification means being made holy or set apart. So your sanctification, you can, you can also, you know, if we use grace here, we're saved. We're also justified. That, those words are used interchangeably. When, when someone puts their faith in the work as Messiah, the word grace, they receive grace or they receive justification or they're made righteous. These, these words are used interchangeably. You'll see them referenced in your Bible. So these are almost the same. Okay? Now, sanctification is another, is another expression of salvation. And this is salvation as well. Over here under under his work as Messiah, under the grace, justification, this is salvation. These, three, these four words can be used interchangeably. I was saved. I was made righteous. I was justified. I was saved by grace. That grace saved me, right? You guys with me? This is so important. So sanctification is an expression of salvation. Sanctification is part of the salvation of the gospel. It's the ongoing power of God that's saving you from everything that's plaguing you today. What's it connected to? What's his sanctification connected to? If justification is connected to the death, burial, and resurrection, what's sanctification connected to? The life of Jesus. So, so what does that look like? It means when you actually believe that Jesus is alive today, right now, and you believe that you have covenant with him. So let me, let me help you realize. Let me give you some, some big picture things. <clears throat> Romans 5.1, you, you can go read there, I'll read it. Um, it says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So the fruit 
of being justified is you have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God and I'm, and I'm spending time with you and I get to know you and you go, man, I just don't know. You're not sure of covenant. You're unsure of like where you stand with God. I'm going to preach this to you because this is where you're at on the gospel scale. You need to know his work as Messiah and that brings you peace with God. That, that establishes your covenant with God. That's like the moment my wife and I got married, June 2nd, 2007. We said, I do, we made covenant. Now I have, I have had peace every day since that day, not necessarily in our marriage, but I've had peace that we're married. Because no one can touch that day. No one can touch that moment. So when your faith touches with this and you get born again and you make covenant with God, you have peace with God. Now listen, just because your spirit is made righteous as Jesus, as a gift, right? We know righteousness is a gift. Because when grace saves you, then he also imparts or confers his righteousness upon you. And he does it to your spirit. This is a spiritual reality. So this... His work here addresses your spirit. This is in the book. We've, we've gone over this, right? Do you understand? So people, they get confused. They're like, how can I be righteous, but then still, let's do, let's do, uh, this is over here for our body. His return, his, his, his return is a connection for a, a bodily salvation or a physical salvation, right? So they say, how can I continue to do sin? If I'm righteous and they don't that they're conflicted, why? Because they don't understand this dynamic. They don't understand that that you got born again, that you're righteous in your spirit. But for so many years you lived and you were trained by the fall of man. Your mind has not been renewed. So your 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 soul, your mind, your will and your emotions is still used to thinking like a sinner. But it doesn't change the spiritual reality that took place by faith when you, put your, when you put your faith in the Messiah. You get born again, you go from darkness to light, you receive the gift of righteousness, and that's why you'll go to heaven. You receive the Holy Spirit, you're sealed with a promise guaranteeing what is to come, right? So you're sealed with the promise, and that's, you're like, okay, now I have covenant. So, so let's, let's, just, let's just all get peace with God, okay? No matter where you're at, so let's... let's on this timeline, you get born again, but you may still have sin struggles with your thoughts and with your mind. You may, still, you may still struggle with sin in your thoughts, in your mind, right? And with your actions. You may still stumble and fall. The beauty of the gospel and covenant is God has covenanted to, to supply you with a grace to help you overcome sin struggle. And he doesn't want you to ever go beyond this. Because over here, you had no peace with God. Before you got born again, you had no peace and you didn't know where you stood with God. So our gospel paradigm has to have room for God to father us in the midst of weakness and sin struggle. Our gospel framework, our perspective, our faith, the faith has to have room for me to be sanctified or connected to the grace of God in covenant so that, so that not, not connected to my works or my spiritual discipline or I need to overcome. Because here's the thing. If you're struggling with sin, sin will deceive you and think, man, now you have to work to make yourself get right with God again. Oh, I got to work to get back right with God. No, you don't. You need, you need to connect to his life. He's alive and he ever makes intercession for you. 
He is your advocate if you sin. What? So there is a grace and a power that is that is that is that flows from the living Jesus. If you're looking to the cross for your present sanctification, it won't work. There, see, if, if, if the Messiah, because the, the justification provides you with peace. Now listen, Jesus is so manifold and his works are so dynamic that yes, these all go together. It's not so linear like this. Are you with me? But, but I'm summarizing big picture. The, the, the work as Messiah brought us peace with God because it reconciled us to God. This is what it says in Romans 5.10. It says, if when we were enemies over here, we were reconciled by his death. Okay, so it says, it says the death specifically provided reconciliation. How much more having been reconciled, boom, this is established, I'm reconciled. How much more will we be saved by his life? Do you know your Bible says that? Do you know where I'm talking about? You need to know because he distinguishes. He's, he's helping you put your faith in the right place. Hey, you were reconciled by his death, but you're saved today. You're sanctified by his life. You, you will be sanctified. You'll grow up into Christ as you stay connected to the head. As you learn to put your faith in the fact that Jesus is alive and he's willing. Look, listen to me. This is so important. He's willing to express his, his, his fruit through your life. That's why it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is just evidence that you've been born again. He puts a righteous seed inside of your spirit. And then, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, by his life, fruit comes out called gentleness, peace, patience, self-control. Did you know self-control is a fruit? It's a fruit of the Spirit, meaning self-control is a byproduct of the fact that God lives in you. You can't control yourself by yourself. So, so those of you in this room that you're struggling with self-control, it's because you're trying to control yourself without the Holy Spirit. You're trying to control yourself. You're trying to subject your flesh. You're trying to exert some power over your flesh, but you have no power. Only God does. Only the grace of God does. Only the life of Jesus does. And, and some of you have been looking back and you're like, Lord, but, but I, was, I was saved, but I, I, I died on that cross. I don't have a sinful nature anymore. Yeah, that's true. But so now you are sanctified through your intimate walk with Jesus. You're sanctified through intimacy. Wow, you're so pure, Jesus. Oh, wow. You, like in prayer, you're looking at him and you're, you're, you're beholding him and you're like, man, you're, you're actually for me, Lord. You're actually wanting to express your purity through me, your, your humility through me. And so now we're talking about faith and fighting the good fight of faith. So here's what happens. You're in this place, and, and, and right now what happens is I'm speaking the word to you. So your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So when you leave here and you're like, oh, I feel, I feel so full of faith. And then like Wednesday, you're like, ah, oh, what happened? You know, and then Thursday, you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I struck a nerve. Oh, my gosh. Y'all need to listen. You, this, read your word. Grace and faith will explode as you read this word. 
Faith will come to you. I spend time in this word when I feel it, when I don't feel it, but I read it till I experience the grace of God. The grace that has been supplied to my life has come through my my relationship with Jesus through his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. It's the Word of God. I've built my life upon the Word of God. So any, any, any way that I've been fashioned into Christ, you say, how did that happen? It's because I've poured over this Word. And this connects me to the living Jesus. I don't, you know, John 5, 39 says that you search the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them is life. He goes, no, 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 no. But these are they that testify of me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. When I read this, I connect with him and I connect with his life. Let me give you an example and then I got your, let me get your question. In Matthew 11, I was, I think I shared this with you. Um, I was, I was reading and I'd been struggling with getting frustrated at my kids. I was like finding myself like, like wanting to like get angry or control my kids' behavior through anger, okay, through being impatient with them. And I knew in my spirit, I'm like, this is not Christ-like, but then you know how, I mean, you know, like when you're a Christian, you're struggling in that way, you're like, but it's real, right? Like, I feel the real, like it's, you know, your kids are jacking around and everyone's sleeping and your boys are yelling, you're like, yeah, stop, you know? And so I was really wrestling with this for a few months. This is about the last six months of, of, of last year. And I, and I flipped to Matthew 11. I was just reading, and, and Jesus says of himself, he says, I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. He says, come and learn from me. I am gentle. He says this of himself in red letters. Come and learn from me. I am gentle. Hear, hear, hear Jesus say of himself, I am gentle. I am gentle, not I was gentle. I'm presently today gentle, and I'm lowly in heart, meaning I'm, I'm humble, I'm gentle, and you'll find rest for your soul. And that, that scripture just leapt off me that morning. I wasn't connecting it to my kids. I wasn't connecting it to anything at all. I just read that, and I was like, wow, Jesus, you're gentle. A little bit later that day or the next day, something happened and my kids, you know, my boys can just, you know, whatever. They just get you. And so I'm feeling this thing rise up in me like I'm about to, I'm about to like, not just normal, just like, hey, y'all stop doing that, whatever, yell at them. And, and, but, but I'm, it's what I'm feeling inside. I'm feeling like I need to control them with anger. You guys can, I know maybe some of y'all don't have kids, but it's just real. And, and immediately that thing came up, that thing came up, and I heard the whisper of Jesus, the real, live, living whisper of my real friend Jesus. And he said, I just, I, in, my, in my inner man, I heard it. I mean, almost audible, but not. He said, he said, Peter, I'm gentle, and I'm lowly in heart. And in the whisper, check this out, in the whisper was the capacity to manifest gentleness to my kids. In the whisper was the faith to let his gentleness be expressed to me in that moment, not because I'm hyper-spiritual or I'm an awesome Christian, but because I heard his voice. Why? Because I read his word. And so there was a grace, check this, there was a grace or a power connected to the living Jesus that allowed me to overcome anger. Now, I didn't overcome anger. Gentleness burst through and overcome anger. This is how you overcome present present life struggles you don't you don't climb those mountains you let the victory of jesus express its victory in those moments because because jesus is sufficient your your sanctification your growth in christ this way is so much more fun 
it's so much more joyful because it doesn't rest upon how disciplined I am. Now, I've noticed that my spiritual disciplines, they, they can cultivate they can cultivate time to actually look and behold Jesus. My time in prayer, my time reading the word, my secret place, my discipline, it serves my faith. You say, where does spiritual discipline come in? It serves my faith. I don't rely upon it. I don't rely upon it to receive grace. I rely upon it for my faith. I lean upon it for, for my faith. Are you got, does that make sense? Because you're not to throw out spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines serve your faith. Me reading my Bible, going, I'm just going to read my Bible, it, it keeps me in the faith. So your faith, listen to me, I, I will, you'll see me just like I get really amped. Your faith, your faith, your faith is the most important thing you have. Don't, don't you dare be deceived by the riches of this world, by the cares of this world, by, by some other thing. I'm telling you with all of my heart, you may not believe me. You can tune me out. You can think I'm being religious. You can think I'm just saying the right thing. I'm literally telling you, your faith is of so much more value than anything you could have in your bank account, any dream you would want to fulfill. Why? Because it connects you in covenant to the living God. And there's nothing on earth that will satisfy your heart like that. God can trust you with any platform, any resources, any, anything if you're satisfied in faith. If you're not satisfied in faith and you're pursuing those things, he won't. He's a good father. He'll just he'll protect you. I'm telling you, your faith, the Bible says, is of greater worth than gold. And when you face, you ask a question, when you're, when you're going, Lord, I want to be sanctified, I want to walk in righteousness, and you screw up and you do something wrong, what you're tempted to do is you're tempted to look at what you do or what you did, and you go, man, that seeks to undermine your faith in the works of Jesus. When you stumble with something that you do or something that you think, it it takes your eyes off of the life of Jesus. And you start to judge your spiritual condition based on what you're doing instead of walking by faith. Now, I'm not saying ignore what you do, ignore what you did. I'm saying deal with it in the life and in light of Jesus. If you screw up and sin, confess it to Jesus. Confess it to, if you sinned against someone, confess it to that person. Why? Because that's what walking in the light looks like. I love confessing sin if it happens to my father and to people. Why? Because it fuels intimacy. You'll hear some people these days who, who will preach righteousness or grace and they say, well, you don't need to confess sin anymore because God will forgive you. They, 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 they presume upon his certainty to forgive. And so they say, well, there's no need to, to ask for, to, to confess it. Because he's, he's already forgiven you. And they point to this. The problem with that, it, it may be true. He 100% will forgive you. But, if, but, but forgiveness is a relational act. Yeah, if I know Kevin's a good guy and he's going to forgive me 1 million percent of the time and I sin against him and go, no, nah, it's fine. He'll forgive me. And I never go, hey, bro, I'm so sorry, man. I, I, I did this thing. And I never afford him the right to forgive me. I've taken his right to forgive me. That's his right. That's his authority to forgive me in covenant. So people who say, oh, he'll forgive you, they don't understand covenant. They're, they're making a law of grace. They're making a law of righteousness, and their relationship is with the law, not with, with God. You guys, you guys there? You said forgiveness is a relationship 
It's a relational act that fuels intimacy. It's a relational act that fuels intimacy. But the reason why some people are afraid to confess their sin here in this sanctification zone is because they don't have peace with God. They're not confident in their covenant. They think if they confess it to God or to others that this covenant will be broken. Oh, I did something so wrong. I did something so bad. This is going to affect my covenant. No, your covenant was established through Jesus and the blood. That's your confidence. The same way that Israel left Egypt and they were confident that the death angel was never going to mess with them again because the blood of the lamb they passed over. Y'all with me? And then they were confident that, man, Pharaoh, that Pharaoh was never going to mess with them again. Why? Because he was put in the waters. So that's our, that's our confidence. But today we have to, like most believers, many believers, like we're, we're living in this zone and we're just, like someone says, hey, listen to this podcast or read this sermon or pray this prayer or go do this deliverance. Why? Because we're just grasping for something that will stick and work. We, we don't know how to be sanctified. We don't have spiritual vision. We don't have a vision that goes, oh, this is how biblically, scripturally, in the gospel I grow up in God. I would, I would submit to you that there's not ten ways to grow in God. There's one way. There's one way into maturity. There's one way into sanctification. There's one way to grow up in God. There's one way to mature spiritually. One. There's not ten ways. There's not twenty ways. There's one way. There's not, scripturally, there's not another way. Just like there's not a way to be born again, except how many of you go, how many, there's, there's three or four ways you can get born again. No? No one? There's one way to be born again? Okay, so there's one way to be born again, but how many ways to be sanctified? And everyone's got their idea and their presentation of, of how to grow up in God. Why not, just, why not just go with what the Bible says, which is the gospel from faith to faith? The righteousness of God is revealed you know Romans 1, 16, 17, 18? The righteousness of God is revealed from faith, Messiah, to faith, the life of Jesus, to faith, his return. Hey, guys, I'm coming back. I want you to continue in the faith, firm and stable and steadfast in the faith, side by side in the unity of the faith. Hey, the fivefold ministry, the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they're to equip you for the works of ministry until we all attain the unity of the faith, until we all mature into the, the fullness of Christ, the manhood, the grown man of Christ. So the faith is how you grow up. Can we just read that real quick? That's going to help you guys. <coughs> Ephesians 4, look at this. <clears throat> Verse 11. He's talking about Jesus who gave the apostles, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Okay, so Jesus gives the church these five, these five giftings, these five offices for a reason. So Jesus gave the church leadership. Did you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Leadership was Jesus' idea. But we've departed from it in our day. I believe it with all my heart. We've departed from the apostolic, like, full fivefold thing. We have, which is evidence of the faith of the bride of Christ today in America is everywhere. Like, I would say her faith is, is in this, like, okay, in, the, in, in his, you know, Jesus as Messiah. But in terms of the faith and established in the faith, man, it's, we're, we're all over the show. 
And so we have so much division. We have so much. Do you know where the division lies in the church? It lies right here. It doesn't lie on the fact of how we get born again, though a lot of that's being contested now. 90% of true believers would go, this is the only way, right? (laughs) Right? Where people get hung up is how you grow up in God. Oh, you need deliverance. I have a deliverance ministry. Oh, no, no, no. You just need more teaching. I have a teaching ministry. No, 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 you need the apostolic because we need to, we need to, no, you know, you need the prophetic. You need vision for your life. You need to have the visions and angelic encounter. No, 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 you need to reach the lost because, man, if you go out and reach the lost and you share your faith, that's how you'll grow up in God. That's what the Great Commission's all about. And so you have division amongst the fivefold. Why? Because we haven't understood the faith. There was something that was meant, like, like what we're arguing over is fruit. We're arguing over the expression of our faith. Come on. This fruit will look different with different people. This will be, this will be varied. <laughs> this will be manifold. The fruit of a Christian's life in this room, the, the, like, like some of you will start businesses. Some of, the reason why I'm not going to come here and tell you, okay, I'm going to teach you how to be a pastor. I'm going to teach you how to be an apostle. I'm going to teach you how to raise the dead. I'm going to teach you how to heal the sick. I'm going to teach you how to cast out devils. Because here's the thing. If you get the faith... If you get the faith, if you get the faith, you will be connected to the grace of God, the power of God. You will be made righteous. You will walk in intimacy with Him. And God's a big God and Holy Spirit's a big Holy Spirit. And He will bear His good fruit through your life. So all I want to do is to just equip you to abide in the vine. Because I trust in God's design. I'm not some big super like I know what God's going to look like coming out of your life. All I know is that I have been anointed to preach to the gospel so that your faith can rest in God. That's it. That's the only thing I'm doing. Like, like if you abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. And guess, guess who gets to decide what kind of fruit will come off of your life? <laughs> Jesus. Amen. It's not my job to tell you what your faith should look like. It's my job to tell you that there's only one place where you can have faith, and it's in Jesus. And we've argued and squabbled over what our faith looks like and the expression of our faith, and we've not understood our role as leaders to say, no, our role, our, our, our role as leaders is, is, to, is, to, is to preach and serve you in such a way that you are established in the faith. Read your scriptures and tell me if, there's not, like, if that's not the role of a Christian leader. That the motive of a Christian leader, like if there's a leader, like just hear me, your faith should be the most important thing to a leader. Your faith in Jesus should be the most, like I don't care what kind of leader, uh, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, their goal, their aim, their instruction should be the faith and they should point you and center you upon Jesus through teaching, through apostolic proclamation and signs and wonders, through the prophetic, through evangelism, whatever it is, their gift and role should center your life upon this triune work of Jesus and no, no other thing. That is, the, that is the litmus test of a true, I believe, leader of Jesus Christ, is that they equip you to put your faith in Him. Okay? So look at this. The, that fivefold, it equips you, verse 12, the saints for the work of ministry, which is over here, fruit. Okay? I want you to see this. I want you to line this out. The reason why these 12 headings are really amazing is they help you put handles on scriptures like this when Paul's going all over the place. So the fivefold leadership equips you for fruit or for works of the ministry, the byproduct of your faith. Right? 
So watch this. For building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And look at this. And this goes hand in hand with the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So, so there's, a, there's an equipping, there's a building up, and the building up and equipping is until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Look, he's saying... You, you will no longer be blown around by, hey, this is your next, this is how you grow up in God. This is how you grow up in God. This is how you're sanctified. No, there's only one way, and it's the knowledge of the Son of God. It's the knowledge, like, no, 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 I know that this is death, burial, and resurrection to this, his life does this, he's coming back for me, and my grace, the grace of God will flow to me, and I'll grow up in him as I just abide in that in faith. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. For more resources, visit braveheartministries.org.